are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging an exciting conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Radiant Culture. I'm Cookie Monster. And today I'm joined by none other than PC. Mm-hmm. Pastor Craig, he's with us again. And uh, of course, you know, he, he really needs no introduction now. Um, he's part of the furniture. So Pastor Craig, it's good to have you around today. Great to be here once again. <laughs> and I'm so, so excited to be here today. This is home for me. And yeah, this is a good place. Good. And I'm hoping that our subject today is going to leave you <laughs> excited. <laughs> I, I'm putting on my seatbelts. <laughs> so today we want to talk about a um, subject that is quite you know, it's a hot topic in Zim right now. Uh, so basically, just to give some background, at one of the prominent schools in the city, um, I can mention it, right? Yeah, uh, St. John's College, which is a, is a private school. It's one of the top private schools in the country. Um, there, this is a couple, about a week ago, there was a statement that was made by um, one of the senior members of the school, I think it's the deputy headmaster, where he basically came out of the closet and um, announced you know that he is of a certain sexual orientation right and so uh it's it's caused a whole lot of outrage and i think there's just been a multiplicity of reactions from i I think just across the board from people within the church from society at large from you know zimbabweans in general because this is quite it's quite a huge thing some of it has been very um, unkind and hateful. Some of it has been more, you know, yes, it's the right thing to do. Zimbabwe needs to become more progressive. This is where the rest of the world is going. So there have been mixed reactions. And today we want to talk about that to say, you know, this is such a hot topic. And I think it's a hot topic globally, mm. particularly for people within the church. Mm. You know, because it's almost as if the, the whole LGBTQ, and I think there's more letters because they keep adding them, mm. um, agenda has really been uh it's becoming pervasive especially in the western world and now even in in africa we're seeing more and more uh people adopting it and people accepting it and we want to talk about that today and uh, pastor craig and i are going to be just you know talking about this pastor craig is going to help us uh to just highlight certain things from scripture and of course you know and just we'll have a discussion about it and then biscuit is going to join us a little later um because he actually went to saint john's <laughs> but anyway yeah uh, so that's the subject today so we want to ask you to just have open hearts and you know just a disclaimer as we talk about this subject you know we we understand that is a very sensitive topic um but we also want to be as you know, as blunt as possible to talk about it from the standpoint of scripture. Um, and then also, I, I guess, from a cultural point of view as, as Zimbabweans. So, Pastor Craig, uh, this this is what we have today. So, I guess, and Biscuit is here. What's up, Biscuit? How's it going, Mr. Monster? Oh, good, man. Good. Yeah. Good to have you in the house. Good to be on the show. Yeah, St. John's boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. So, now that everybody's here, I think we can actually really get into this. So, I think let's just go straight mm. for the jugular um, PC. Mm. I think my first question would be from a biblical standpoint, mm. right? What does the Bible actually 
um, say about this topic. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're mixed views. Some people will quote Sodom and Gomorrah to say God mm-hmm. hates it. That's why he destroyed mm-hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah. So if mm-hmm. if we ever accept this kind of lifestyle in our country, you know, fire and brimstone are coming. Mm-hmm. Then you get people who are more like, you know, we have to be more loving. We have to mm-hmm. be more tolerant. Mm-hmm. And they bring out the grace card, mm-hmm. right? Which is that this is one of the freedoms that Christ has given us, that, you know, we're free in Christ, right? As long as you love the person, as long as you're faithful to them, there's that school of thought. Then there are people who are just kind of confused, who don't ever really think about it, who are just like, Asha, who just kind of go away where the wind blows. So I think we can start there to say, what is the actual biblical stance on, on, this, on this subject? Uh, I would obviously, immediately, you said, let's go for the jugular. Yes. In this case, I would take us to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 27. This is Paul uh, speaking. In fact, we can start from verse um, 24. It says, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, worshipped and served and created things rather than the creator who forever is praised. Amen. 26 says, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Mm-hmm. Notice that what I'm reading in the NIV here, it says shameful lusts, right? Then he begins to break it down. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women. If you're hearing that. Right. And were inflamed with lust for one another. And, and, and Paul, thank God, he clarified this year that men abandoned right, their natural relations with women. Right. And then they started pursuing each other. Men com- uh, committed indecent acts with other men and re- received in themselves their due penalty for their perversion. So here, if we're just uh, taking this word without even going to Genesis uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3, which obviously should be our precedent in, insofar as what love is supposed to be. Right. That man was always created uh, for, for woman. If we to take it back, if yeah. we to bring Sodom, um, the judgment there is uh, premised obviously on the extent of such wickedness. Right. If we go to Moses, Moses also explains that men cannot have a natural relations with other men, and he even goes on to also talk about men. I think uh, with 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 uh, with beasts and things like that. Yeah. Paul here is basically then summing up what happened here, that a. People, because of their evil desires, uh-huh. have now abandoned what is supposed to be natural. So as far as I'm concerned, and as far as my reading of the word of God is concerned, um, uh, the moment you begin to uh, look or um, believe in, in loving people of a similar sex, uh, we are off with regards to what the word of God says. So... <clears throat> one of the things that and thank you for that for that clarification one of the issues that i've, I've been in you know several discussions about this mm. and i've heard people say things like christians are being hypocritical because you seem to pinpoint this particular sin mm. and you are the degree of harshness with it with with, with which you treat it uh. is different from all the other sins that people uh. are still committing adultery. People uh. are still doing all kinds of things. Well you know, how come you're not as vocal and as harsh on those other things? 
but this particular one is... you are on it yes on it like crazy <laughs> you know what um let's start off here and i, I like what you say i would say uh, our, our, our basis for discussion number one is that homosexuality is sin right or at least that's the premise i'm speaking from okay it's sin right before we go to the next number two not only is it sin I wouldn't call it just sin on, on its own. I would call it an abomination. Right? Okay, so please, it's, it's, please elaborate. And I'm going there. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> there's sin and then there's abomination. Abomination is just basically sin gone wild. All right? For instance, um, there, is, there is stealing. Right? Mm -hmm. There is robbing. So I can steal without you knowing. I can come in here and be um, a violent robber. Then I could also come in here, for instance, and not only rob, but beat people and uh, molest and uh, sexually abuse people. Right. Uh, and then take away goods. In a certain sense, I've, I've, I've committed uh, the, the uh, cardinal thing called stealing there. But the gravity of that offense, mm -hmm. because of what I've done, obviously cannot be compared to a, a common criminal along the, um, on the road. I see. Hence, um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, the, the, the mention of Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of, in the, in the word of God in, yeah. in Genesis. And obviously even how Paul is, is speaking of it like this. So as, as far as I'm concerned, when you talk about homosexuality, why, 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 why the angst? And I'm not trying to bash people that have been found in these scenarios, but the issue is unlike other sins, it's an abomination. It's an abomination. It's just like we can talk about sexual immorality. Yeah. But the moment somebody is sleeping with a child, a minor, who's five years old or something like that, yeah. that's on another level. We can talk about sexual immorality. But the moment somebody is taking a cat or a dog or a monkey to have sexual relations with them, obviously uh, what we're talking about there is sin on another level. So uh, homosexuality is an abomination. So maybe what we can actually mm. do... Um, sorry mm. to just cut you off. Maybe we can actually... Maybe we need to define... What an abomination is. A sin on a totally grand level. Like sin, like exactly. on steroids. Exactly. So, so there's murder, right? Uh -huh. But there's genocide. Okay. If you think about it, why, why do they not call genocide murder? Right? Because that murdering there is at such a grand scale uh -huh. that you could literally wipe out entire villages, entire nations, entire cities. Right. right? Even though if you look at it, practically speaking, you're actually just killing. But why is genocide not uh, just referred to as murder? Because the scale of that is totally on another level. Right. So when you talk about things like homosexuality, um, it's not like committing adultery. It isn't. And, and, and this is not to say, right, that um, committing adultery is not serious. Right. This is not to say that we mustn't deal or address all these other sins. Yeah. But like I'm saying, uh, just like if you go into the world, how they treat genocide is not the same way they would treat a common murder. Right. Not to say that murder is now acceptable. So allow us then, um, in a sense, to be very concerned, yeah. you know, when we see sins of such a gravity uh, take place. All right. Mm. Thank you, Pastor Craig. Uh, Biscuit, uh, you, you can you can join in. And I, I don't know, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know what you what, what you are thinking right now. About what I, I mean, this, about. Is, yeah. this is a very 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 hectic topic, and uh, there's usually no one answer that satisfies everyone, yep. which is I guess why it perpetuates and goes on and on and on. But one of the interesting things about um, 
homosexuality and so on, having listened to a few things about it, mm. uh, there was uh, an apologist I listened to a lot, mm. and he did try to 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 reiterate the, exactly what you're saying, that it's not that we're saying that um, we were singling out this as the only sin we ever really address. Mm. There's a whole host of them. But one distinction he did make was to say that sexual sins mm. are, seem to be generally of a graver nature mm. than all other sins, which is maybe why we focus on them more. Mm. So I guess my question, mm. without looking and saying homosexuality only, mm. My question would be then, why are sexual sins or those kinds of sins so much more annoying, if I can say that to mm. God, than all the other ones? Mm -hmm. Before we then go and say, all right, then the extra level you're going now mm. is the homosexuality. I think Paul is very clear about that, hey? He says because um, he that sins sexually sins against his own body. He says all the other sins you commit, you know, they're extra or they're out of yourself in a sense but it says he that uh, commits a sexual sin is sinning against his body there's no other sin which the bible actually says you're violating yourself you know except for sexual sin so that's that already is pointing us to the gravity of such a thing Mm -hmm. And next, I think there's some also natural arguments we can bring in there that supposing you're in a relationship of any kind, whether husband to wife or perhaps parents, you know, um, supposing somebody did uh, violated your child sexually, right? The, the gravity of that, even in society, yeah. can just point you out to how serious this sexual thing is, you know. In, in fact, there's not a lot of, if I can use crimes or other sins, uh, besides perhaps uh, those that are of, drunk, uh, of a drug nature, that also has diseases, you know, associated with them that are as serious, yeah. you know, as those that are, uh, that are sexual related. I'm not trying then to point a finger at everybody who's sick by reason of something sexual to say you're an evil person necessarily. But I'm saying all these things can point you out. So what am I saying? If you just look even generally society, yeah. how it frowns upon just sexual indiscretions, you know, if we just look at that, if we look at the aspect of just uh, sickness and disease on account of sexual issues and misdemeanors again. And then coming back to Paul who's saying, you know, when you're sinning sexually, you're sinning against your own body, you're noticing that, hey, there's something about this thing. Then we come back to, to God when he starts off in Genesis 3. He says the two shall become one. one. The two shall become one. Such is the power of a sexual relationship. Paul comes up later then he says, hey, do you not know that the two are going to be one? So when whoever joins himself with a prostitute, right, is making himself one with her, which already is showing, uh, I mean, from I'm now I'm using scripture here, yeah. the very gravity of issues to do and um, matters around issues of sexuality. So that's probably what my quick response would be. So we must obviously give it, um, in a sense, added attention yeah. without necessarily being um, condemnatory as such yeah. um, to people found in those, in those, in those, in those places. And I, I think, mm. go on, that seems mm. to be the, the bigger issue. Mm. Particularly maybe with this scenario that, that, that we're kind of backing this whole discussion mm. on. You end up with two camps, mm -hmm. and um, uh, uh, Cookie, you'll agree with me that 
arguments or debates mm-hmm. need ground rules for them to actually be warranted as legitimate debates because yeah. the two parties do not understand the ground rules mm. you're not really debating you're just mm. kind of shouting at each other right mm. and i feel like um uh with the let me break it into two camps rather simplistically mm. the christian and the secular mm. um they're coming at it from two totally different positions mm. which causes the contention the christian is mm. looking at it as sin mm. and the secular is looking at it as identity as mm-hmm. in, this is not sin this mm. is part of who i am mm-hmm. so when we go and say it is sin they mm. read it as you're attacking my intrinsic identity, identity. that's correct whereas we are often not trying to make that link we're saying no this is the thing that you're doing which can be stopped our perspective mm-hmm. is it can be stopped mm-hmm. is, is that it can't mm-hmm. it's my identity so who i naturally am exactly. yeah actually you know sorry just to catch you in the i don't actually believe in in the term sexual orientation personally i would uh-huh. rather say sexual preference mm-hmm. because those that are pro um the idea behind the argument is is who i am like you correctly say uh, if you say that then um we might as well say a thief must not be stopped because it's who they are or a rapist must not be stopped because of who they are we believe at least judging from our reading of scripture uh, since we already said it's sin it's a preference it's somebody's choice which they have made so for me when i hear someone say sexual uh, orientation i i respectfully disagree to say no it's not who you are it's a preference that you've made it's your, it's your preferred orientation it's your, <laughs> <laughs> yes it's your preferred orientation <laughs> so yes. what i what i really like us to do now um, mm. is that uh, because of time i uh, want us to actually get to the to the actual uh, uh issue which is the um, this thing that happened at the school uh, so my understanding and uh biscuit you can help me with this because you you went to st john's prep which is the yes, the, the, the junior school, school yeah. so my understanding is that st john's is a christian school Yes, um, it, for all intents and purposes, it's a Christian school, as uh, are most schools within the country, different uh-huh. denominations of that, but yeah. so they are. St. Mm-hmm. John's in particular, the very logo of the school is the, the lamb. Uh, you mean the ram? ram? No, no, the ram is the senior school. Oh. oh. The lamb is the junior school. If, the, if you look, there is a difference. Okay. okay. I didn't so, know this. Is that why it happened at the senior school? <laughs> <laughs> That's just a joke. Please don't take it too serious. But, and, and say, that is not getting deleted. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the phrase for the senior school, but the mm. junior school is dominus plural. Mm. plural or something along those. So really speaking, and hey, the name is St. John. Uh, what what does dominus plural or whatever mean? Ah, uh, producer can look it up. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to speculate. I, I think I know what it means. I don't mm. really go into okay. it. Going to the school myself, you mm. know, we did sing hymns. We mm. did have the occasional, I don't know how frequent it was, but mm. there were masses and so on. Mm. And for all intents and purposes, the mm. school professes, if not explicitly, mm. that it is a Christian school. Okay. And a lot of parents are taking issue with that. Right. That is one of their bones of contention. So my question is, mm. and we can discuss this, gentlemen, mm. was that the right thing to do because you know one of the reasons in fact they they gave that they gave several reasons right mm. that they used as a basis for allowing this statement to be made mm. one of them was that we want we're a school that uh, is encouraging an environment of tolerance right and diversity in terms of race religion mm. sexual orientation and and mm. so on and so on so my question is that for for a school mm. that is mm. 
directly or indirectly, whatever, Christian, mm. Mm. number one. And number two, just for a school mm. in Zimbabwe, okay. right? Is, was that the right thing to do to allow an authority figure uh. to make such a statement? Uh. Given that your, your sexual preference is, uh. a, is really a private matter, mm -hmm. you know? So what I'm saying is that it, it's, it's like someone coming up and saying, so I'm actually, uh, I'm a white man and I'm attracted to, to black women. Mm. Okay, so um, I, guess you, I guess I want you to know that I'm not racist. I'm mm. attracted to black women and I'm mm. making a statement about that. Mm. that kind of, of course, you know, it's not on the same scale, but yeah. I'm saying, for it's, me, it's, it's like, yes, mm. why, why would you need to make a statement about it? <clears throat> right. In, in front of, in front of, of, of a, uh, an audience of children. Of an audience of children. children. Okay, so let's start. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what we hear um, and I guess uh, your sources as, as, as similar to ours is there was an issue with the newspaper article, right? Without trying to defend the man here, uh, just to try to uh, establish fact, which was checking on him and so they were pressured into uh, trying to release an issue before it blew out. Right. Uh, was that right? Let's start from the, the angle of Christianity, which you, which you mentioned. I, I, I have a problem with people that profess to be Christians mm -hmm. who don't hold to what Jesus holds to. You know, I was actually looking up the verse here. It's um, Luke 6, 46. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do the things that I say? So um, upholding Christian standards in, in courts without actually leaving them out for me is, is, is a problem. Right. So for <laughs> instance, I cannot... Let's not even use homosexuality. Let's use something else, bestiality perhaps. Uh -huh. I cannot profess to be a Christian and in the same vein, I clap hands for bestiality as a concept. Right, I cannot. Right, so uh, when we call ourselves Christians, I think we should be careful. And I think some of it is, is rather ignorant. Uh -huh. It's rather ignorant and not intentional. It's, it's ignorant. But the point I'm trying to just say is generally speaking, a Christian must stand for what the Bible stands for. Right. I'll give you an example. I've, I've, I've got an issue as well, whilst we're at it, and I'm going to come back to the question here, with Christians that are pro-allowing um, people to express their homosexuality and so forth, and in the same vein call themselves Christians. Mm -hmm. Right? I've, I've got a big issue there. Because like I said, if it's a sin, the last thing you Christians should be doing is to be happy you know, with the expressing, the legalization, the, um, the defending. And please, I'm not talking about uh, bashing yeah. people in such, in such places here. Uh, but a Christian shouldn't be seen to be promoting this. Yeah. Let me give you an interesting example in the book of Acts. Remember Paul? Uh -huh. Paul was a Christian murderer, if you can call it, if you want. Yeah. What's interesting is that there's no verse in, in the book of Acts where Paul actually actively strangled or stoned anyone. Paul was actually just sitting. We, we, we hear about him when he's just sitting holding clothes and nodding in agreement to people murdering believers. Mm -hmm. Right? And there's a lesson there. To say, because I hear certain people saying, you know, I'm a Christian. I don't really do it, but let them. You know, but look at this concept here. Even though Paul didn't throw a stone, he was as guilty as those people that threw stones. So for me, uh, for a person to call themselves a Christian, and then in the same vein, stand and say, 
uh, we promote this, which God is against. I have to question your, the genuineness of your Christianity. To me, it's an issue of Paul who's gone wrong. In his head, he thinks he's doing the right thing without actually realizing that he is against the very thing is what he's trying to prop. Why I'm saying this is because I hear a lot of people claiming to be Christians who then in the same place say, let's allow people to, you know, to express their homosexuality, as yeah. it were. I, I don't think Christians should be promoting that. I'm not saying let's, let's bash people who are gay. Yeah. I'm not saying let's kill them. I'm not saying let's throw stones at them. But the last person to be standing up to advocate for that, okay, it's just like Christians standing up and saying, let's promote Satanism. Yeah. Right. Satanists, you know, really want to uh, promote themselves. And then I, as a Christian, say, yeah, you know what? You're Satanist. So go for it. Go for it. And at the same time, what they're going for is the very thing that I'm preaching against. So that's the first. Yeah. So I would say as a Christian school, the last thing we expect is to stand alongside something which God doesn't. Number two, let's just take it to a, a whole totally different level as an educational institution. There has to be some due diligence in some of the things that you expose your, your learners to, yeah. in particular matters of a sexual nature. Here, let's take out the Christian uh, debate or even the goodness or the badness of homosexuality. But surely, late, <laughs> come on, guys, surely a school cannot, like we've been saying, expose little children to um, someone speaking about their sexual orientation in a in a place such as an assembly, that without the parents' um, consent or even yeah. or even participation or knowledge, I think that's 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 breaking that's breaking the line. You know, when we went for camps, our parents had to sign certain indemnities, you exactly. know, just to make sure that um, supposing such and such a thing happened, you know, the school was not liable. In this particular case, there was no such consideration to the feelings of the parents. Yeah. Suddenly, um, the issue is we must just be pro without actually um, paying due regard to, um, obviously, number one, just, just pure protocol of putting in parents. Number three, Zimbabwe as a nation. Zimbabwe as a nation is a very conservative country. Exactly. It's a very conservative country. Once again, yeah, let's put the religious debate aside, right? Let's even put the rightness and, well, of course, it brings in the rightness and, and wrongness of it. But the mere fact that this is who we are, I think we must be respected as a nation to be very wise insofar as I want to put across certain things, particularly in our educational institutions. So on that note, I do believe and I... I am of the opinion that the school, they, they botched it up. They completely yeah. botched it up. And um, uh, we wouldn't expect such, a, such behavior. And just to show you that they botched it up, you can look at the public sentiment and you know how a fire has already been, what, been set in the country as a result. Yeah. That alone, that alone should show that um, this is obviously an issue that you can't just be so reckless about. Yes. Mm. And I, that word that you used, it, reckless, because mm. I think it was very reckless of the mm. school to allow that. Mm. And um, just thinking about what you're talking about, Pastor Craig, which is that with Christians affirming, mm. uh, you know, something, something like this, because I, mm. I have been in discussions where mm. professing Christians have said, no, you know, we should just, that's who they are. We should allow people to express their identity. Mm. You know, I know who I am as a Christian. Mm. And so I stand on what I stand on. Mm. But if someone wants to express, we should support them and whatnot, whatnot. Mm. And, I think the the tricky 
part there is that on one end, we're now living in a world that is pushing for things like tolerance. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a buzzword right now that's mm -hmm. being thrown around. Mm -hmm. You know, be to you've got to be tolerant. Mm. And just the mere fact that words like, uh, terms like racism, mm. uh, you know, being accepting of people who have disabilities, all these things, mm -hmm. then they just throw in the LGBTQ thing. And they mm. kind of put them on the same wavelength. Absolutely. Which I think is very smart. Very, very <laughs> I, smart. I do too. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my, my thing now is, mm. as a Christian, the, the challenge that you actually have today is to dissect and actually think through this whole concept of tolerance. Mm. What is tolerance? And can you really be tolerant in that sense as a believer? Mm. Right. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is that, where, where do we then draw the line, you know, as, as believers to say something like homosexuality, we want to be loving, we want to show the love of Christ, mm -hmm. but at the same time, we're anti the idea. Mm -hmm. How do we strike that balance? Because it's, it's kind of difficult to navigate. I, I wouldn't say it's difficult. I wouldn't say it's difficult. Someone was asking me, how do we as a church respond to this? I, I simply say to them, let's do what the Bible says. Right, let's let's go back into the Bible and see how sin has been addressed. I like um the fact that you're talking about grace. Right? Let's see how uh, how how sin has been addressed in the word of God and then uh, give a, a prof uh, and profess uh, solutions to that. When you look at Jesus for instance, uh with the woman by the well. Not even the woman by the well, but the woman who they brought up um, the lady who was caught in the act sexual sin right there. Remember what um what he said, he doesn't condemn the woman. He doesn't condemn the woman, which a lot of people want us to always remember, don't condemn the sinner. Mm -hmm. uh, very little is said about him and the sin. Jesus neither condoned the sin. You see, even though he didn't condemn the woman, he and did not condone her actions. So for instance, as a church, what we are doing is we must never condone people that are found in that but we must be very far from condoning those actions. We must be very far. So when you even come to issues of tolerance, um, I like how you say it's, it's a very dicey word there. Uh, we must be tolerant, of course, that's correct, but tolerance doesn't mean that criminality is right, for instance, mm -hmm. right? Just criminality is right. In, in fact, if we come into Zimbabwe, the whole issue of homosexuality is, is criminal. So where do we draw the line when we come to uh, tolerance, criminality, tolerance, and sin? Which is why I'm saying, number one, even though we don't have issues with the sinner, we definitely cannot condone the sin. We definitely cannot condone. That's not our place to come and actively say, okay, so the sin, just because we love the sinner, uh, you go ahead and, 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 and continue to sin. What does Paul say? Shall we continue to sin so that grace would abound? So where does the church come? The church must obviously spread out its arms towards anybody who's a sinner, whatever sin it is. Yeah. But definitely the church, I believe, must also be firm about what it believes to be true. And remember, in, in, in a lot of places, the church is the soul of a nation. You know, the morality <laughs> of a nation is determined by the strength of the Christians in that nation. And, you know, the church must obviously obviously always represent a very high moral stance with regards to life without necessarily um, 
hitting people on the head or abusing people or mistreating people on account of their deviancy. Yeah. yeah. So should the church support homosexuality? Definitely. No, no. But should we love whoever might be in that? Yeah. We must continue to do so and preach the gospel to them. I love that. Uh, so because of some pressing issues, the cookie monster has to run, but um, you're in the capable hands of the biscuit. All right. So... It's good that you, you brought up the church in this whole discussion. Mm. Uh, we've talked about it here once or twice, and of mm. course this sparked a further discussion about it when mm. it happened. Um, and the issue of, of tolerance and so on, I, my own personal view is that the world um, actively tries to equate tolerance and acceptance that's correct and tries to make it seem like they're the same thing when mm. really they are not mm. like you mentioned criminality mm. you can be we are tolerant of criminality mm. i mean we know criminals are there mm. we know what's happening we're mm. tolerant of it mm. we've never accepted it we mm. still prosecute it that's so correct there is a difference but mm. people doesn't seem to like that too much absolutely now um one of the things that came up when we were discussing the St. John's issue mm -hmm. and considering that they themselves profess to be a Christian school, mm -hmm. that extends to other things, including churches. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the, the teacher became homosexual that day mm -hmm. or all of a sudden, or he wasn't behaving in any kind of manner. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed this in church myself. Mm -hmm. There are people who you can say, huh. Uh, okay. Yeah. You're acting kind of uh, funny. Uh, yeah. Are you? I'm not sure, but <laughs> mm, yeah. I'm thinking something here. Mm. However, I've also noticed that it seems to be generally ignored or a blind eye is turned to this thing that we're saying that we shouldn't be accepting of. Mm. How are we showing love? How, in, in a school scenario even, how is love meant to be shown mm. to help in that mm. kind of scenario. If we're saying it's a sin, it's something mm. that we're meant to deal with. Mm. But it seems as though our society in general, and maybe even the world, is woefully under-equipped mm. to deal with it. I, I wasn't taught in church how to deal with that. Well, even in high school, when you see some a scenario like that, what are you meant to say? <laughs> or how are you meant to react? Because mm. there's no... Teaching. I, I don't know, is there anything you can speak into that scenario? Yes. Firstly, let me start by saying this. Um, what we're seeing, not just here in Zimbabwe, but world over, is things that have been prophesied. All right? So the believer who's listening to us, really, the biggest thing is these are the signs of the times. If we think we're seeing depravity, um, it's just beginning. Right? And this is not just some doomsday prophecy. But this is just to come back to the word. The word says the coming of Christ is going to be preceded by, um, by gross wickedness. It's going to be preceded by gross wickedness. What's sad, and this is Paul speaking to Timothy, he even talks about um, how the church, in a sense, if you want, you know, is going to also be shaken. He talks about how, you know, in the last days, you know, or maybe not the church, but really the world, when he says men... You know, people are going to grow cold. You know, people are going to grow cold. Uh, so concerning sin, you could even see attitudes grow, growing cold. Whereas, you know, sin was frowned upon. Uh, sometimes, like you're saying, sin is just a, a, a blind eye is turned towards sin. Paul talks about that the hearts of men are going to grow cold. You know, people are going to be lovers of themselves. He says they're going to be lovers of pleasure. 
right? <laughs> He's going to talk about people being boastful, not temperate, and things like that. So to start, start it off, let's just understand that this is the direction that the world is going. The believer must actually become more and more prepared for the coming of the Lord. When these things are happening all around you, they're like a signpost telling you, you know, as you're driving into, say, Blawayo, that Blawayo 10, the driver now knows, okay, we're very close. So that's the first thing. Number two, I think the church should continue just teaching the word as it is. As the Holy Spirit helps us and speaks to us, um, he gives us grace to, uh, to, to address the issues or the attendant issues of the day. I do believe that uh, in the time that we're in right now, you know, the Holy Spirit should help the genuine church, if I can say that, you know, to address these matters. How we address it in uh, different churches, perhaps in certain places you might want to have discussions, open discussions about this. Perhaps in another place, uh, your pulpit ministry and your pulpit emphasis must obviously um, guard and direct. But uh, over and above that, I do believe that um, as a church, what we're generally teaching from the very lowest uh, level, the lowest um, level our children all the way up must be very deliberate insofar as um, not only just morality, but uh, these kinds of issues are concerned. Why am I saying from the, from the lowest level? We need to appreciate that the enemy is after our kids. I was discussing with my wife and I was, I was telling her that, listen, for the enemy, for the devil, you know, um, schools, for instance, are a prized possession. They are a prized possession. So he will do anything to make sure that he captures those people that are in there. Because simply, you know, if you catch them young, you've caught a whole country. Yeah, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so obviously, we've had this issue. Again, just a, a few months back, we had the Chisipiti issue. Yes. You see, that, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And um, if, you, if, if we're as honest as we can... You know, if you really study some of the strange occasions, not just in these urban uh, centers, even if you go sometimes even to some mission schools and some schools in outlying areas, you know, there's a lot of, um, what I might say, weird, strange, or concerning issues that are happening. Some of them which are not even widely spoken about. What am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say the bigger picture is not just this issue of um, St. John's or homosexuality and so forth. It's that there's a, there's a concerted effort by the enemy, you know, to capture our schools. What should be the church doing? You're saying, how should the church handle this? For me, it's beyond and over and above the homosexuality issue. The church must be concerned about God in our schools. Now, am I saying that we should violently take over schools? No, not necessarily. But I'm saying where possible, let's establish institutions that are genuinely Christian. Where possible, let us influence and thank God that generally our education system is very open to the word of God generally. You know, let's influence those places that indeed the true word of God is, is given, received and accepted. You know what I'm saying? And then obviously, let's also use our, our, our churches, you know, to ag aggressively deal with this issue. Because listen, you said it correctly. The world is really coming heavy like a torrent, you know, with this uh, LGBT issue and all sorts of other issues that they want us to just swallow um, and, and receive. We must then obviously empower our members to be able to address it. Unfortunately, sometimes, like you, you, you alluded to, some of what we're preaching doesn't quite answer some, some questions. I know we didn't discuss it here, but do you know that uh, some pro-LGBT people use some of the very scriptures we read 
to actually say, no, 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 no. Sodom and Gomorrah, for instance, is, is, God wasn't angry at homosexuality. He was angry at people abusing others. So you can't use that verse. For instance, you see, they, they say the same thing about Romans. What am I trying to say? The movement is coming so heavy, even capturing the word of God, twisting it, trying to, uh, to, 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 to obviously direct us in a certain way. Surely, as churches, we must also then sit down to say, how do we address that insofar as what we're teaching? And I'm emphasizing this fact. Let's catch them young. <laughs> yeah, catching them young, I, I'm, I'm certainly all about trying to reach this young generation before they become corrupted. Uh, I think amongst my friends, maybe I'm the, the greater pragmatist. I don't know, maybe, maybe somebody in the room they can confirm or deny, but I've always been up. Guys, it's happening. <laughs> Whether we like it or not, it's, it's going down mm. and there's not much you can do about it. But mm. at the same time, we are supposed to still do something about it. Mm. And I find that, um, I don't know, maybe this is a question as well. Is there, has the world conditioned us to be afraid? Because now just addressing issues. Maybe that's why the churches or the schools or mm. other public things mm. are not saying anything. Mm. The backlash for even bringing it up mm. is so ferocious, it's so harsh, and mm. you immediately become labeled as a bigot yourself. Yeah, or homophobe. You try to address it. Mm. And I'm not saying that um, this is unusual. Like I said, I'm a pragmatist. Mm. I do firmly believe that the worse the world becomes, the more of the more at enmity you will be to it. It's mm -hmm. just, that's what's going to happen. You are going to hold to what you believe in. Mm -hmm. But then what of the Christian who does not want to completely alienate people, mm -hmm. wants to minister, but knows that their very words mm -hmm. are automatically received as, as an attack mm -hmm. or as, as you are now judged yourself as being a bigot. What do you do? Yeah. You know what? I think the Christian must be, very, must be ready for that. I was just telling somebody earlier on today that there is no way that you can be a Christian and totally unoffensive to somebody. Impossible. Mm -hmm. Impossible. In fact, Paul, remember the people who, who've written this, uh, the Bible we follow, and this, the church we talked about, we talk about, it was built on the blood of many saints, you know, who gave up a lot of things. So, so it's, the Christian must know that a Christianity where you're totally <laughs> Friendly with the world, be careful. In fact, the Bible says in the book of First John, it says friendship with the world is enmity with God. Right? Generally, as a Christian, if you're going to embrace the world in its totality, let me tell you something, you're going to be against God. Proverbs says something very interesting in Proverbs 27. You know what it says? It says the kisses of an enemy, you know what, are never to be trusted. What am I trying to say here? I was actually preaching to somebody, now saying this, you know, when it says kisses, it's not talking about literal kisses. One of the kisses is celebration. You know, be careful the celebrations of certain people. Jesus warned certain people that be careful of these guys here. They, they, they claimed, you know, to have loved the prophets, but, uh, you know, they are celebrated by people who persecuted and, and killed the martyrs. This is Jesus speaking. So we, we, we must be careful. What am I saying to the believer? Know what you stand for. Daniel 11 verse 32. He says the people that know their God shall be strong and they shall resist. They shall resist him. If you go back into the book of Daniel, there's a place, you know, where people had to make a decision. To be honest with you, the very fact that I'm speaking about this 
is probably uh, is probably risky in the fact that somebody who knows me and who likes me might be unliking me right now. Correct? Yeah. I might lose friends as a result. Yeah. And um, it just doesn't stand for this matter only. Right? There are other moral decisions or spiritual decisions which can put you at odds with other people. So, so the believer must be ready to know that walking with Christ can sometimes mean you lose a lot in life. Some people are not speaking and it's sad. It's sad. I call it the love of money, personally. Yeah. Somebody is afraid to lose business who believes that homosexuality is wrong. He would rather, you know, he would rather keep money, right, and fail to speak of what he certainly believes. Yet Paul, what does Paul say? He says, do not allow what you believe to be good to be spoken of as evil. So, you know, they'll rather let people like me and a few others, you know, go out into the front line and then speak these things and they'll be like, you know, it's all right, but, you know, my biggest client is so-and-so. We've got an organization. We're getting funded to the tune of this, 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 from this. So we, we, we cannot take. And, and, to, and to even make it worse, there are other Christians who are then forcing themselves to speak things that they don't believe. To say, you know what, we believe in people having these rights, not because they believe in it, but because obviously there's financial consideration to it. I'm saying to the Christian who's, who's, who's listening, Daniel and his friends, you know, Daniel was willing to be thrown into the den of lions simply because he refused to bow. The three Hebrew boys, they said, King, we're not bowing to this great idol, even if it means us losing our lives. So let me tell you something. The believer, if it means losing your job, if it means losing money, if it means losing opportunities, if it means losing friends, let me tell you something. That's nothing compared to losing God. You'd rather keep God and lose people than to win the world and definitely lose people and lose God, sorry. So that would be my word, you know, to the believer who's listening, that let's stand for the truth and we know the truth and the truth sets you free. So we might as well stand for it regardless of whatever, um, you know, backlash or things that might happen as a result. All right, so, so we have quite a, a broad mm. listenership. Uh. What do we add shit to all words? It's just a strange thing. Uh. We have a broad listenership. Mm. And uh, I, uh, today, actually, oddly enough, um, there's a friend of mine, mm. and she is uh, a, a confessing Catholic, if you want to put it that way. Mm. So she put up a status, and she's like, why are we still stressing about this whole St. John's issue, when it's, look, it's not an issue, it's the way they are. So I was looking at her and saying, but you're a, a, a Christian. Christian as well. Mm. But she's just a small example of a very wide populace mm -hmm. of maybe someone who really is even feeling the same things, mm. who's experiencing the same things, mm. fighting or otherwise mm. that same situation, who's listening now. So what would you say to that person who is sitting thinking, I agree with what this teacher did because now he's allowed me to, to also come out and mm. be open mm. and I can, you know, love Jesus and also reveal my sexuality. Mm. What do you say to that person? Well, the first thing I would say to a person who is a Christian and believes in homosexuality, I would ask them if you are a Christian, if you are really a Christian. Well, perhaps I might not say that directly to you, but I would question the genuineness of your Christianity. It's just like a Christian who believes that um, Islam or Buddhism or Shintoism 
is an alternative way to get to God because hey, what do you do for those people who don't have a, an opportunity to hear the word? You know, but the Bible is clear. Jesus is the only way. So uh, if, if a person has these views and then con con confesses Christianity, first and foremost, I doubt the genuineness of your Christianity. But coming back to what you said, so you've got somebody among us who's feeling, um, who's got feelings for the opposite sex. Perhaps not for the opposite sex. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> for the same sex. Firstly, um, I must say, and if they're listening, if you're listening to me right now, you, you, you're having these feelings. Um, remember something. The Bible says it's unnatural. That's number one. So if it's unnatural, it means it's a sin. The first place to get out of a sin is to acknowledge that it is a sin. That's number one. Number two, feelings. Feelings are a very interesting thing. I, I, I always tell people I'm about, I'm about to write a book called Conquering the F Word. Everybody normally laughs and I tell them, no, it's not a swear word, it's the feelings word. Okay? Feelings are very fickle in nature. Why? Because today you feel something, tomorrow your feelings are gone. And yeah, I'm talking about feelings in general. Uh, how you feel about something today is not necessarily how you feel about it tomorrow. How a person who's never been in an aeroplane feels about an aeroplane is totally different a few years later down the line when they've been in, a, in an aeroplane. So what am I trying to say? Understand that just because you're feeling a certain way, it doesn't mean that it's acceptable. Right. Let me give a wonderful example I normally give to young people when you're talking about sex. Right. Outside of marriage. I'm very, very hungry. Extremely hungry. I'm broke. Got no money on me. I get to the shops and there's a fast food outlet and there's lots of juicy meat, chips, and my favorite drink, Coke. Hey, I instantly feel like just having those things even though I've got money. Do you know what? I don't I jump the counter, grab my, my fries, grab my meat, grab my Coke because I feel like it. What am I trying to say? There's no feeling that cannot be contained. There is no such thing as a feeling that a person cannot have self-control over. Hey, I know somebody who's listening who likes a Lamborghini who can afford it. Hey, when they see it, they feel something. I just got to ride, uh, drive it and do something. But when they pass by the dealership and they see the car, despite their overwhelming desire to drive that thing, do you know what they do? They conquer their feelings. Before we even talk about Christ, even natural people know how to conquer their feelings. Haven't you ever seen people who are right next to their worst enemy, you know, acting totally nice? Haven't you seen world leaders who don't like each other, shaking hands and smiling for the cameras, even though their feelings towards each other, which we know are totally the other way. So feelings can be conquered. So what am I saying? If you're feeling this way, number one, let's acknowledge that sin is sin. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Number two, acknowledge that um, feelings can be conquered. And you can actually rise over those feelings. Number three, get help quickly. Get help quickly. This just doesn't apply necessarily to feelings of a sexual nature, of any sin. One of the best ways to conquer sin is obviously to find a safe zone, safe people, to really help you address this. Let me go to the church now. What does the church do to make sure that maybe somebody who's in there, there could be someone who's in there who loves God, who actually knows this is bad, but hey, you know, my feelings, like you said, you know, they're raging and they're burning and this is the side I'm going. And perhaps 
um, I found myself in scenarios. Uh, can I just back up a little bit yeah, sure. and, and say I believe that uh, anybody who's homosexual in, in, in view had it imparted in them one way or the other. In fact, research has shown, and I read this, that uh, number one, uh, people who had some sort of sexual encounter with the person of a similar sex normally go in this direction, right? So for sometimes some people were abused, some somehow, some way, they were exposed to it. That's how they go. Number two, some have accepted it to be because they got some, let me not call it grooming, but um, doctrination mm -hmm. of some sort, which is why we must be worried about it. Right. So now, here's a person in church. Here are these feelings. Obviously, they came from somewhere, right? Us as the church, what are we doing? Number one, we must always show that our arms are open wide to anyone and everybody. So how we deal with the issue, we must be firm to say it's a sin, but our arms must be open to any sinner. And whilst we're at it, we must be very careful that, remember, there's a brigade. The moment we even mention it, they're going to hammer us, even though the same church talks about uh, drunkenness. You know, drunkenness is not right. You will never hear anyone bashing the church for talking about drunkenness, right? It's for obvious reasons. So, so we, must, we, must, we must show by any means possible you know, that our arms are open. We love you despite your sin, you know, and we're willing to help you walk, you know, the straight and narrow without necessarily bashing you as a person. I'm saying this because, listen, uh, much as I'm against what happened at St. John's, my thoughts go out to the man himself. For instance, uh, according to me, he's not a Christian, right? According to me and how I feel about everything that he stands for, he's not a Christian. But supposing... This is how things are. Is there somebody who can reach out to, the, to that wonderful man to speak the gospel of Christ in such a way that his arms can be open? You see that kind of a thing. The question is, beyond attacking the sin of homosexuality, we must remember that the church's mission is to evangelize the lost. So what is our strategy to go and touch those people and bring them to Christ? That's a good question. Mm. I wonder if there's a, a proper strategy. It, 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 I, I would say it is there, hey? I, I would say it is there in this regards. At the very basic level, the desire to preach the gospel to anyone who's an unbeliever is the beginning of it. But perhaps what, what, what maybe you and I might be concerned about is a deliberate aim at um, targeting people who are found in those, in those scenarios. At the same time, we must remember generally want to catch anyone who's a sinner without necessarily just be interested in people of an LGBT uh, kind of persuasion. Would you say, uh, just as an aside question, that we focus too much on that, the LGBT side of things, and seem to ignore the other? I actually think we focus too little on it. Uh, for obvious reasons, particularly in our context, it's not a very big issue. You know, to a certain extent, you can already see the St. John's issue is kind of resolving itself, right, in the natural sphere, without necessarily the big intervention of the church. It's just, it's, it's just showing you the dynamics within our space. So why don't we focus on it a lot? Is perhaps because it's not as, as, as big a problem as it is. And I must say, uh, I, I would encourage the church to pray. I know certain believers who, in a sense, um, in a sense, and don't get it wrong, we're celebrating this in that it allows us or shows us the extent of what's happening and it makes us all rise up 
to really attack it, not just physically. Remember, Jesus says the weapons of our warfare, you know, they're not carnal. So this is not an argument that's one because of good debating skills. Yeah. This is not an argument. Uh, in a certain sense, there are some people you can give them all the scriptures. You know, you still won't win this argument. This is a very spiritual argument, which we must not forget that our hands and knees, you know, must be at work insofar as attacking the spirit. And I dare say <laughs> on this radio show that there is a demon of homosexuality. Now, the church would be foolish, you know, to try to think laws, legislation, which are good things, debates, you know, talking to people and so forth, and then leaving out the spiritual part of this, of this warfare. We would be foolish to go that direction alone. We might find out that we're fighting a losing battle. In any case, people can just then go under and just do their thing quietly without anybody really talking about it. So we must, we must be very careful about that. So the church, as far as I'm concerned, could do more. Not just more in so far as talking about it and so forth. The prayer bit, the prayer bit could be increased. The prayer bit could be ramped up. The prayer bit, I know some people say, hey, you pray too much. It's, it's not practical. Prayer is as practical as possible. You know, I always tell people that you can resist a lot of things, but you can never resist prayer. The, the church in Acts, when they had problems that were coming against the church, guess what? Their, their, their model was not to go to courts. Their model was to be on their knees. And what they did on their knees, you know, manifested, you know, in their world. So even as we pray, I do believe prayer. And I know some people have been praying, you know. It is a way of just playing itself out in the world. Please, no, I'm not discounting all the other good things that people are doing. Yeah. But I guess prayer is the first place you should start, especially if you are a listener dealing with this and maybe you haven't hit the point of courage where you want to go and seek assistance or help or whatever, then I guess prayer is the very first place you should begin and actually talk to God about it. Yes, but, 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 if you're a listener listening to this, yes, talk to God, but don't talk to God and be by yourself. You know, um, it's like a person who's sick. You're feeling massive chest pains, massive chest pains, and you've heard of a disease called TB. You know, the worst thing you could do is just to sit in your house and then feel these massive chest pains and not get help. For the person who's listening to this, I am very sure that person is there. The reason they're hearing this is because God is speaking to them right now. Go get help. Go get help. Go get help. If we've had a cholera problem in Zimbabwe, we've had Ebola crisis all across, you know, our, our continent. Well, not all across our continent, but you know, they will tell you that if you if you ever even suspect, you know, the slight symptoms, go help, get help quickly. You know, before it's too late. So, so my encouragement is yes, obviously, be be talking to God, yes. But even if you suspect, let's even not talk about the person who feels them strong. Hey, maybe there's something at the back of your mind. Maybe you've had some crazy, just once in a while thing. You know what? Just go get checked. Go get help. Not checked, but go, you know, go talk to somebody about Because checked might sound yeah, like you're saying to someone, you're a cuckoo, right? <laughs> right um, but, 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 but have honest conversations around it. Do you have parting words? Absolutely. Absolutely. Church, remember, let's, let's begin off on a prayer note. Let's, let's tackle this thing spiritually first. Let's, let's accept the fact that um, this is beyond just what's happening in the natural world. There is a wave, and this wave wants to take over. Let's, let's be prayerful. Let's be mindful of our educational sector yeah. and how strategic it is 
in the hands of the enemy beyond this particular issue. So again, I know I talked about prayer. Let's be again praying, particularly for our schools, because a lot of things is happening. It's not just this, but a lot of things. So let's also consider our schools. Let's, number three, consider how we deal with issues of uh, the LGBT movement. Perhaps we need to come back uh, collectively, sit and uh, ask ourselves some hard questions or just some, have honest conversations about how we can assist each other, you know, in defending or, uh, or in dealing with these things. Because guess what? Probably at pastoral level, or at leadership level, we might be okay. But, you know, down to the grassroots where we are not. That's where probably our children, our young people, and even some of our general members are facing it probably more than us. We need to find out how to address that in those um in those in those in those settings and then finally let's let's show a loving arm uh, or let's open our arms in a loving way to whoever might be found in this no gay bashing right no yeah. gay bashing as it were i'm not saying let's condone it let's not condone it either we're not condoning it i i, I disagree with christians promoting it I disagree with Christians promoting it. So whilst we're attacking the sin and wanting the sinner to come, let's not promote it. Fantastic. And that's a wrap. Uh, this is Biscuit. Rather solo. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor, for, for, for today's episode. If mm. uh, you want more of this awesome stuff, you can find so many more episodes on the Reading Culture website. You can find us on Facebook. You can, I think you can Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.